Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. recording on this pre-election special of the fifth estate podcast we're joined once again by john mcbride uh john's here for a bit of a um bit of a banter and to and fro discussion about the state of politics in this state um any predictions that we're going to have for the result on uh saturday tomorrow and uh what we see of in the future for those victors. Uh, so welcome to the Fifth Estate again, John. Oh, thanks, Cameron. Thanks for having me, mate. And uh, so um, where was I going with this one? Okay. Want to tell anyone about you or we'll just leave a little bit of a Reader's Digest version for the end? Yeah, we'll leave a Reader's Digest version. I like that. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll do that at the end and, um, and all that sort of stuff. So let's start. Uh, I think the, the, the biggest thing... Topically wise, uh, outside of the the bullshit promises uh, from both leaders of, of the respective uh, parties, is the the whole muzzle about preferences. Um, it, that's come to come to a head, I'd say, lately with um, uh, Hurston Hurston. Crap, I've forgotten his name. Hurston Russell. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, Russell. Hurston Russell. Um, uh, recording and then leaking uh, a Zoom conference that he did with Glenn Drury, who's uh, known as the Preference Whisperer. Now, two minds of that, and, and I'd like to get your input on it, John. Um, my thoughts are is that I I think he's betrayed a confidence there, and being a former commando, uh, he should be aware of things that are kept secret and all that sort of stuff um and you know you just don't go blurting everything to everyone um for that so i i really can't see what the benefit of him uh benefit for him of leaking this the stuff about the preference whisperer unless he wants it changed at the next election let's say for example that uh, the liberal party is successful uh and you know he's able to form government in the in the lower house uh, you know, does he want the legislation changed to stop this from happening in the future or is he just there to promote himself for another um, federal campaign? Oh, well, I think my, my view of it is that, um, and it's obvious from the, the conversations that he leaked, that he'd been in conversations with Glenn Jury for a period of time. Um, now, what's happened is Heston, the Queenslander, has come down and he's He's rebadged Australian Values Party, which he ran at the federal, and he's called it Angry Victorians Party. Um, I wonder where he got that idea from. Yeah. Um, just a one. B. He was late to get registered. So, so these are the things we do know. We we know that he was in conversations with Glenn uh, whilst he was trying to get registered. We know he got registered very late. And by the time he then started to have conversations with other parties, a lot of the preference deals, which is the two, three, fours and fives, which are the most important, uh, that carry the most weight, that, that, they'd all been stitched up. 
So really he was, he was sort of, he, he may well have been registered, but Glenn really couldn't do a lot for him at that time. Um, and I suspect, my point of view is that uh, I, I think Heston made a strategic decision to betray the confidence of Jury, get himself some publicity and see whether he could shake loose some, uh, some of those spots. He went after the DLP specifically, um, telling the Freedom Party that the DLP was in conversations with Glenn uh, and, the, and the Freedom Party opened up some slots for him and bumped the DLP down the, down the ticket. So I I don't think he's a I don't think he's a clean skin at all. I think he's a I think it was a strategy. He had no choice. Um, there was just no options on the table for him, well, except to do the right thing and 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 accept where he was in the scheme of things. But he was prepared to betray confidence and uh, upend the whole thing and see whether he could get a whether he could get a decent sort of deal. This is the same guy, just quietly, that preferenced Fiona Patton's Reason Party and a, a Cannabis Party, which was just a, a harvest of preference harvesting vehicle for Fiona Patton's Reason Party. Greg, forget, uh, Jeff Ellis or Greg Ellis, I can't remember his name, runs both of those. Now, he's preferenced them early in Northern Metro. Well, if he's an angry Victorian, why is he preferencing one of the people, Fiona Patton, that has supported the Labor government uh, 100% of the time? Mm. She's basically an ALP stooge. Mm. So how, how do you reconcile this rhetoric of angry Victorians against the government by supporting someone that's actually been rock solid behind the government? Something doesn't add up there, Ken. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's it is. Yeah, something's something's not not right there. Um, you know, especially. I mean, why would uh, you know a banana bender want to come down to Victoria um, and and do that? My thoughts are he's trying to you know keep himself relevant or keep himself um, in the in the media for whether it's another tilt at uh, the the coming federal election or you know who knows he may even move to New South Wales and have a crack at that because I think New South Wales elections are sometime next year. Um, and go down that path. So while we're, we're talking about preferences, um, I'm, I'm really of two minds of that, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, he's the, the whole preferencing thing, and especially with what Drury's doing, he's, you know, he's using the tools that he's got in front of him um, to create something out of it. But then by the same token, he's also relying on and, and, you know, so are the parties that are getting involved with him, relying on the political naivety of the voters to only vote above the line because that's the easy thing to do. It's a shit to get to. It's a shit to queue up. I don't want to ruin my Saturday by having to go and do this bullshit. I'll just put a one above the line and then that's it. I can be over and done with. And I think that's what he's relying on, which points to a bigger problem with our political understanding than the whole, you know, group voting tickets. I mean, all you got to do is put five numbers below the line and it negates all the stuff that they've done. I mean, is it really that hard to do? Uh, that hard to put five below the line? Yeah. Well, but not really. No, no, and that's the minimum. You, you can you can number the entire 62 or 64, depending on you mm. know, which, which region you're in. You can number all of them in your own preference. But... 
for convenience sake, most people just, as you said, uh, they put one above the line and, and they invest a certain faith in the party that they're backing, um, that that party will be will uh, preference according to its values. Um, something when I was in the DLP, that they certainly did. Um, uh, net, but and you're right, that system can be gained by someone like Glenn Jury who comes in. But there's sort of two sides of the coin there too. Whilst Glenn comes in and and you find you know you find people backing Rod Barton, and I, I can't think of a political party in Victoria that would back Rod Barton for what he did over that yeah. pandemic legislation. The guy is the guy is toxic. Yeah, and, uh, he, he got in on two and a half thousand votes because he had preference deals with with Glenn Jury's block. Um, and and the tragedy is that he'd probably get back in because of Glenn Jury's preference block, but certainly not the will of the people. No. Um, two and a half thousand votes. I mean, how do you how do you lose more votes than that? <laughs> it's like you already got hardly any anyway. Yeah. So. That that that's one side. Here's the other side that, um, uh, whilst whilst you can complain about the manipulation and you can complain about those sort of terrible deals that that, that prop up toxic humans like Barton uh, and getting back into parliament. The other side of it is, is jury's model gives you something that the normal preference dealing with other parties protects you from. There's a sort of it lowers the risk. Um, I know of, and I, and I won't say the names of the parties, but there's two parties that had a struck a two for two preference deal very early on, and they're big brand, they're brand parties in the in the in the micro space. Mm. Now, but one of the parties reneged right at the last minute, just before the group voting tickets, so they parked the other party on twos. So there was no so why would you negotiate uh, with the other? Remaining parties because you've you've parked your twos and so they parked them on twos and then reneged at the last minute, um, which caused all sorts of problems for that party, uh, and, and that and that affected all other parties. Now that's the sort of thing that's happened. And there's history there too. Uh, some much minor parties will tell you about how they were had a deal and was reneged on. Um, it's not uncommon. And what jury does that is that model that he runs is he protects you from that. Mm. In a sense, now you you give up, you give up uh, preferencing values based or values aligned parties to get that deal, but but you know that um, you've got confidence in the fact that uh, those deals will hold true. Um, so so there's a sort of risk, uh, there's a risk management in there from jury. So there's part of there's part of this, and for that he, he charges money, and I think that's a bit wrong. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't mm-hmm. like that, and this idea that. I've seen the Liberal Democrats coming out recently who were part of the deal in 14 and didn't get any seats and then part of the deal in 218 and did get two seats and um, and have employed Glenn. Uh, come, I saw Limerick come out and say, oh, no, the party paid that bill, and, uh, but we're just employing him for uh, for uh, uh, for his skills as an advisor. And, and I'm not quite sure that's true. I'd, yeah. I'd like to, I would like to see the receipts, David Limbrick. Uh, yeah. because, of, because of now what we know from Heston exposing that uh, private conversation, we we know that that's how that's how those deals are paid for. So I'm I'm, I'm until I see evidence, I, I'm not I'm not going to believe what uh, 
David Limbrick says, with regards to the LDP's position. But so I suppose that's what it is. That, that's where it is with, with preferences. Um, and re- people, uh, the way the system is, you've, you've got to get a quota. Uh, and most mining, mining parties are sort of in the 2 to 4% range, mm. so, which means you, you have to build to get to get a seat. Is, is Victorian democracy better for it? Well, I, I think. I mean, okay. I think first of all, we're not a democracy, so um, I, I mean, I you know that's something you know a big bugbear of mine because we're not involved in um, the you know the decisions that are made. Yes, we allegedly democratically vote someone in, but once they're in, they do what they want. We've got no impact or input on on how they you know how they vote or anything like that. So. Um, you know, I yeah, I can't believe that we're a democracy. I, I can't, I can't, you know, continue saying that. Um, you know, based on that, but you know, sorry to cut you off there, John. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, okay. it's just something that you know I do sort of want to get out and, and you know even have a further discussion about it with with those who are willing to. Um, but yeah, you know, to to continue your point, I think it makes the the process. Um, flow a little better, and though by the same um, same token, it's also protecting itself. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts yeah. on that one? Uh, well, I suppose I've sat back and thought, okay, if if you. Get rid of the group voting ticket, and there's a not, and there's a, we're the last state in Victoria, uh, sorry, we're the last state in Australia, to to actually retain that as a system. Mm. Um, every other state has has been get worked out that people have gained it and they've removed it. Now, what what do you replace it with? But at the same time, you don't disadvantage micro parties who are who are who are out there because they have support. Now they're not. They're, you know, the Greens are an established brand, and and they'll get they'll range from eight to ten to twelve percent, just depending on the mood of the electorate. Um, which is shy of a, except for I think only Northern Metro they actually get a quota, but they're shy of a quota everywhere else. And that's a legit. I don't like the Greens. I, I think they're communists. I think they're Fruit Loops. So I think they're dangerous. But uh, eight to ten to twelve percent of the population votes for them. Now the other other parties, the Freedom Party, the DLP, the uh, then we get these brands out of Queensland, One Nation and, and Clive Palmer. Um, uh, they're, they're all legitimate. They, these are all protest votes. And that's a, protest votes against the major brands. And that was that's establishing itself around 25 to 30% of the vote now. Uh, so that, how do you recognise that and, and give it voice in Parliament? If you take away the group voting ticket, if you replace it with a model, um, uh, if you replace it with a model where there is no group voting ticket and it's just preference flows, well, maybe some of the minor parties will disappear and the paper will get smaller. But really, it just advantage, that's just an advantage to the Liberals and the Labor and the Greens. Um, and like I say, there's, there's, there's 25% plus that don't want to vote for those people. So mm. they, they need to be accommodated somehow. Um, do you do it? as a proportion, rather than have regions that are across the entire state, you have 40, 40 uh, members in the upper house there, the Legislative Council. 
do you do something like get two and a half percent? If you get two and a half percent across the state, do you get a seat? Uh, what we've got to look at a model that that doesn't disenfranchise that twenty five percent, and uh, and just favour favour the the major brands. We've got to look at reforming that electoral act that Andrew's got through the 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 compliance and administration and some of the um, the rules and regulations are in now are just prohibitive. It, it, it's important. It's it is quite a huge effort now just to do the back end compliance for the VEC under that legislation. Um, and uh, I can't help but think that that suits the Liberals and the Nationals and the Labor Party and the Greens who have got, got administrative structures in there already uh, where, where they, you know, it's difficult but they can com- comply, whereas the little parties are just struggling, terribly struggling. Go and ask the VEC. Yeah, um, and and that's you know continuing with what I said before about the the group voting ticket and everything like that is that it's the system protecting itself because unless the party's got you know external income from it like a um, a wealthy donor or wealthy contributors that that can give it the kickstart until they get people in parliament I mean the you know even the donations and disclosure stuff. Um, is going to be, an, you know, is, is a nightmare um, for, you know, for independence and things like that. And yet, you know, you're not entitled to any funding unless you, you know, until that point in time where you get into parliament. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those things that governments are doing to dissuade people from doing it. And they'll turn around and say, oh, you know, we're not stopping you. They will just put a whole lot of bullshit in your way and a whole lot of red tape to, you know, to hopefully turn you off it because, you know, who's got the time to do that? Well, and yeah, that's right. So they've, they've, they've turned the funding tap down so it makes it just prohibitive to, 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 yeah, to take money, um, uh, which through donations, the, the, the compliance stuff with, the, you know, the, the disclosure thresholds and the, the this and the that, it's just absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Um, and and uh, I can see how it cuts off big donors running parties. I see that, and I think, oh, well, fair enough, I, I, I get that. Um, but as far as a grassroots campaign, um, you have to be so sophisticated to collect that money and be on the right side of the legislation. Uh, and, and let's see what happens after the election, and let's see what happens with the VEC and the minor parties and um, who gets pinged and who doesn't and... Uh, we'll see because I, I think it's I think it's going to be chaos after the election. To be honest, just just on the compliance. So yeah, it's hard not to come away with the thought that this is this is um, uh, the, the, these are just uh, blocks to entry for minor parties in the political sphere. Now mm. um, it's hard not to see that um, they haven't done us any favours. Shouldn't so that's certainly the truth. Uh, maybe that just needs to be streamlined and cleaned up. I mean, this whole idea that you've got to have not only you've got to have a registered how to vote card, and on that registered how to vote card, you've got to have the printer's name, um, and, th- and that means that that printer, those people have to use that printer from that point onwards, which means that they can't go to another printer um, to run off a quick extra thousand or two thousand or whatever. It's it's just ridiculous. Now that suits 
that suits the Labor Party and the Liberal Party. They have a big printer who prints all their stuff. They're never going to go anywhere else. That suits them down. It doesn't suit minor parties. It doesn't suit a bloke in Mordura um, who, who might be part of a print run for five or six other people in in sort of Airport West, um, but then he wants an extra 1000 But the how does he get those extra 1000 without going back to the Airport West bloke? I mean, it's just ridiculous, mm. absolutely ridiculous. The federal, federal legislation, it's gone. You don't have to have your printer there anymore. So these are one of the, one of these compliance traps, I think, that, that just disadvantage grassroots campaigns. And if they can kill the grassroots campaigns, uh, then they won't have trouble in the future, will they? You know, it'll stay as the big brands. So it's hard not to come away with a with a feeling that that uh, these guys, the big brand, have gained the system against uh, against minor parties who are, like I say, twenty five percent of the vote. And upwards, so. mm. and, and and that's the thing is that the more you disenfranchise voters, the less likely they are to actually cast a vote, which means that it benefits the incumbent because it's one less vote that the you know the the um, challengers can get. So uh, you know, not voting um, or defacing the the ballot paper and, and making um, uh, an invalid vote just basically you know it, it helps the incumbent and. With how um, red this state is, um, yeah, it, it's it's something that it, you know anything that happens that that can benefit Labor, let alone Liberal, the the Uni Party, you know that's that's what's going to happen um, for that one. So yeah, yeah. And, and it's in, it's interesting to have a, we have compulsory voting in Victoria, and the average the average five percent don't turn up at all. They just don't turn up and vote. And anywhere between uh, three and five percent vote informally. Yeah. So before, before we even count votes, we we could be. I saw in the lecture. I forget which one it was. 80, only eighty nine percent turnout. Eighty nine percent of the votes could be counted because they either a didn't turn up or b didn't uh, they put lodge an informal vote. So you're, there's ten percent, roughly ten percent of people who have just had a gut full anyway. So. Mm. <laughs> Count those in your figures somehow. Yeah, um, have a look at the VEC website for the 2018 uh, election result. There were 5.83 percent of total votes counted were classed as informal, so that's 217,592 to be precise. Um, <laughs> and that's that's a freaking lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. So. I'm just looking at it now. Yeah, five point eight three percent normal. So, yeah, and then anyway. So, look, if we if we want a functioning democracy, um, and and that, and oddly enough, we we've had a I think Dan Andrews and the way he's run the, the Labor Party and the way he's run the state is a pretty good example of what happens when people people have. Uh, uh, grab power, but have really no interest in democracy at mm. all. It's um, just the exercise of the power that he has as the premier. This guy's micromanaged the whole state. You know, he's, he's got a staff of hundreds. He's got more staff than Albanese. My understanding is he's got his staff is in every ministerial office, guiding policy. I mean, what happened to the Westminster system? Of the minister responsible, yeah. and of course, then you've got this absolute nonsense of um, 
you know, party hacks like Sutton uh, being put into prominent positions within the bureaucracy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just appalling to watch, absolutely appalling, because it leads to it, the trajectory of that is Venezuela. Mm. Let's, let's be fair, Nico. And which is which is uh, which is probably where he want to be because he's that sort of socialist left dictator, you know. Um, uh, but look, people are seeing it. People are. Let's talk about what the numbers are in this election coming up. You know what? So, so I, I think there's a there's a. I think we've had a gutful. On it's like John Kerner uh, in the nineties. Um, people have had a gutful. Yeah. It's like Julia Gillard. Um, they had to get rid of her and replace her with Rudd to save some seats. Um, but that's what's happened with the socialists. So, and I tell you, the, the next federal election under Albanese, it'll be the same thing. Labor didn't really win that election. Their, their primary didn't go up at the federal. Um, Morrison lost it. Mm. Um, but now three, Albanese, who, who spent months of, his, of the start of his prime ministership overseas, at Talkfest, and he comes back, and now he's signed, a, signed us up from the G20, the digital identity, and the vaccine passport, and uh, and now we're paying reparations, which the UN is going to be managing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's. Uh, I think as, the, and I think people see that. I think I think that people are seeing it. And, uh, and they're taking action in this election. Mm. Okay, so any any predictions for the election? Um, and with the, the parties that are in, obviously, the you know, transport matters and sustainable and all that sort of stuff, if, if um, Barton and Hayes don't get in, then I think it's, it's highly likely that the parties will just fold um, because, you know, there'll be no interest in it, especially transport matters because of... Uh, you know, the deal that Barton did despite saying that he wasn't going to support it and he turns around at the, you know, at the 11th hour and, and gets in bed with Dan to support the pandemic legislation. Um, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the um, Liberal Democrats? And, I mean, we know reason's going to hang around forever. Um, so, you know, as long as there's one person in there, then they're just going to keep going, same as the watermelons. Um, I'd like to see the end to the AJP at this election. Um, but sadly they've got too many true believers that just focus on a um, misleading message um, from from the party and I, I you know, make no, you know, I'm not going to hide it. I think the LDP's um, doing the same thing, but do you think that there's a future for them if Quilty and Limbrick aren't in the next parliament? Um, look, it would be interesting for... Uh, let's go to sustainable in Southern Metro. Um, they could lose that seat. Mm. Uh, and it looks like the Greens could pick it up. And it was traditionally a Green seat. Uh, and they got knocked off by um, by jury last time. So uh, sustainable has been around for years as a party. Um, and it was all about uh, trying to um, stop immigration, really. Um, I think that's, that's what they, that that was why they were formed in the first place. But Cliffy Hayes could be out. Uh, the Greens could get that seat back. 
Transport Matters had, a, in the 2018, there was a, a whole heap of little parties like Aussie Battler and um, a few others, and they, they, they're like, they get a micro vote, and some of them got a smaller vote than, than Barton, hard to believe, but they did. And that was what got Barton off the bottom and then his preference deals kicked in and um, and he was able to get the seat. And he, there's a chance, I think the new Democrats are going to him really early, there's a chance Barton could get such a low vote that he might be the first person to drop off, which I think would be a great thing for Victoria. Mm. Now, now make, make no mistake about Barton, Morris Blackburn, the UFU, the HSU, these unions all contributed to Barton's campaign. So um, uh, it's fairly easy to work out that Barton got paid off. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. vote. so, you know, and that's just going off the big disclosures form. Uh, uh, he's not a clean skin. It'd be good to get rid of him. Uh, as far as the LDP is concerned, they came in in 2014 with about 104,000 votes across the state. Uh, didn't get anywhere. I think that dropped to about 89 and 218, and they got the two seats back on the preference deals. Um, but the stars are aligned for jury at that point because um, Conservatives had come along, the Conservative Party had come along, and so Family First and Australian Christians had folded into them. And then um, Bernardi decided not to run at the state election, which left that sort of Conservative bloc looking for a home. Um, which gave, which cleared the field for for jury. There's there's many little conservative parties now, um, so it's a diff, bit of a different story. Um, but as far as the LDP is concerned, uh, I, you know, really they're just anarchist socialists in suits from my point of view. Mm. Uh, I uh, they're two ex staffers from the federal um, federal senate. Uh, I, I I think they've got a you know, they claim to be libertarians, but really the, all their solutions seem to be socialist, which is mm. I would have thought the opposite to being a libertarian. But um, And I think you've pointed that out in the past. Yeah. So um, so me thinks they speak with forked tongue. And I, I mean... I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I think they're also into trouble with this preference gathering, the, the Cannabis Party, which is, you know, again, a preference uh, gathering... Front for for Patton's old sex party, which they rebranded the reason. Um, I think they're going to take some votes off of LDP, mm. uh, and uh, they got four uh, percent at the state election. Ah, uh, sorry, at the federal election. So uh, I think LDP. I think they're going to take a bit of a smack, to be honest. Um, they haven't gone well in the freedom movement. Uh, people don't trust Nimbrick. Um, uh, he's come across as a, a little bit conniving. Um, and man that speaks with forked tongue. So I don't, mm. I don't think he, I don't think he's. I mean, yeah, sure, he was out there, and he was he was. You got to give him credit for that. He was out there, but was he was he playing the crowd or was he fair income? Hard to tell with these characters. And I mean, um, you know, I give him, you know, give him a bit of stick and uh, on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. I mean, my thoughts are is that you know they're. If you could call them that, um, I, I've said I think that the majority of their policies are socialist. Um, but you know, even taking away from that one, at a you know, for want of a better term, at a conservative guess, I'd say that they're classical liberals. 
um, even though Quilty, uh, sorry, Limbrick never, in one of his things that he did, he said he doesn't identify as a conservative. So, um, you know, if he doesn't identify as that, what is he? And my thoughts are, yeah, is that um, this whole preference thing just makes a complete mockery of their decentralisation, which is supposedly what genuine libertarians are. Uh, you know, about decentralization of everything. So why would they turn around and say, yep, we'll have our preference deals sorted out by a centralized authority being, you know, the the administration part of the party? Um, and, you know, that's just, you know, for, you know yeah. as far as I'm concerned, put another nail in their coffin that they're not libertarians. Well, I think they're, pre- they're presenting as libertarians but acting like politicians. Yeah. So. So, um, and I, I think they're going to take a slap at this election. I can't see them improving uh, their vote at all. It's not the preference deals might be enough to keep them alive. I'm not sure. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, if people start voting five below the line as a minimum, then that means a lot of those votes will exhaust. Uh, so you won't get the, the the preference flows. The trouble with that, of course, is it favours the majors. Um, that's uh, the exhausted vote. Mm. Uh, but you'll have, but we'll have to see. We'll just have to see. Uh, I, I don't think it's it's um, taken hold in the collective consciousness yet about the, the five below. Um, so I don't know how many people will, will vote that way. But we'll, but we'll have to see. Yeah, it'd be interesting to read the results uh, once they come in. Now, understanding that they've you know keeping in mind, I mean that they've done a deal with jury. Uh, do you think um, uh, Bernie Finn and Adam Somurek will get in? Um, I think Finney will. Uh, he, he, he's done a deal with jury. The DLP has done a deal with jury, which would never have happened under the DLP I was involved in. But, you know, new administrations do stranger things. Um, I think Bernie can get in. There's a big possibility there for him. The, 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 the minor house was... Hinch, which was Catherine Cummings, who, who signed in as a independent. She left the party before she even got sworn in. Uh, Catherine's jumped over to angry, angry Victorians. Yes. We, we, we've had the Rhett Miss speech. So previously she she was top of the ticket and running under Hinch's brand, and Hinch's brand was really strong in the 2018. I, I don't know how strong it'll be now. He hasn't been a senator for a while. So I don't expect her to do very well. I think Bernie will pick that up. Um, the UAP have, have, have backed the Liberals, so I think the Liberals will hold that seat that Bernie is, that was ostensibly Bernie's when he was with the Liberals. Northern Metro is a strange seat. It is very strange. They cut the top off at uh, the Northern Block and stuck that over onto Eastern. Yeah. So there's a lot of Conservatives or just middle-of-the-road voters um, or Labor voters have gone over there, so that's that's changed the demographics of the seat. Um, Patton's there, of course. She got in by the skin of her teeth last time. Um, there's obviously going to the group voting ticket. She didn't do a deal this year with jury, as she's done previously. Um, so I think that seat's up for grabs. It's it's the Labor Party had 41%. They got a of the vote last time. I think that's going to get hammered. I think they'll probably drop to two quotas. Um, the Libs should pick up on the basis of UAP and such, so they'll hold their seat there. 
Um, and I think uh, the Greens, of course, will almost into quota, so they're, they're over the line. I, I think Adam will. I think there's a chance. No, it's not guaranteed. It just depends on what uh, cannabis and a few of these minor parties do, uh, the Vic Socialists. <laughs> um, so we'll just see. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think he's. I think he's got a chance. He's certainly got the preference to allow the jury to get there. Um, but again, it depends on how much. I think Labor four point seven was the DLP last time. Um, so if he builds on top of that, then he starts off and sort of jumps out of the gates fast. Then then he's a very he's a he's a show. Mm. Okay, now apparently he- he's got his, his, there's a big Turkish community in that in northern. Metro, which which um, Adams are involved with, so mm. I think he's got he's got a good ground game there too. Mm. Now, I want to float something with you. Um, my, you know, just having a look at what Mister Somerick has been posting on Twitter, and a particular tweet that he posted um, yesterday sort of got me reading between the lines a little bit and, you know, I just want to float a, a, a possible theory uh, your way and, and, you know, get your thoughts on it. Now, reading the, the tweet that he posted on the 24th, it says, electoral success is a barometer of the health of a party's administrative wing. In 2018, the ALP had a big and diverse membership and flourishing internal democracy. In 2018, I controlled the ALP and delivered Danslide. Today, Dan controls the admin wing. Result with a question mark. Now, the way I read that is that he's predicting Dan will lose Mulgrave, um, and then I, I'm the way I read it is that he's predicting that um, you know my thought. Once Dan loses Mulgrave, then. The Labor Party is going to be flying around like a garden hose. They're not going to have anyone to control it. It's just going to be, let's point the fingers at someone. Let's point the fingers at this, and and all the different factions will be vying for you know their piece of real estate. Now, if that happens, I think that's the perfect ground for Somerick to go back into the Labor Party. And the way that I interpret that tweet is that he's saying that 2018 you romped it in because of me. You'll lose in 22 because of Dan. If you want to win in 26, it's going to be because of me. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think I think Adams, I, I think you're probably right there, to be honest. I, I think uh, let's, let's go back through the history with Adam. Adam, Adam jumped, he jumped out of the SDI, the Shop Distributors um, Union, uh, in 2014. It was a big kerfuffle thing. Because um, the shoppies had uh, lots of delegates, and they played cross cross bench with the other delegates from the other factions for for many years. It, it was they were fairly clever. Michael Donovan was very clever about where he positioned the shoppies, and because of that, he was able to get James Molino in as as deputy premier and get his people ministerial positions, etc. And, and then Adam jumped out. He didn't like being run by Michael Donovan. Um, and he said about he said about uh, building delegates because that, that's essentially what factional warfare is in the Labor Party. It's how many delegates you've got at your state conference, and delegates are given to the unions on, based on a on their membership roles. 
so many members, give you so many delegates. The other places that get them, of course, are ALP branches. Um, so you have, you have the unions and the branches. Now, Adam was able to cobble together um, and take over the TWU, much to the chagrin of uh, Stephen Conroy, who, who thought he'd jump out of federal parliament and be a power broker in Victorian politics because he'd run the TWU. Uh, bad luck for him, Adam grabbed them and a few other – and he cobbled together uh, a very strong delegates base, which made him a factional warlord within the ALP. The ALP's always worked on – well, the last few decades anyway, has worked on a thing called the Stability Pact, where everyone that's got delegates, those power brokers, sit around a table and they divvy up the pre-selections, the ministers' jobs, who's going to be premier, who's going to, um, who's going to be working as advisors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's the left and the right coming together, working on the principle that uh, you keep the fights internally and you present a united front because you have to keep the brand strong. The Liberal Party don't do that. The Liberal mm-hmm. Party just had the Liberal Party have their fights out in the open and of course have a look at the problems that causes them. Um, Labor, they're a lot smarter. Now, what happened to uh, Adam was Andrews realised he lost the 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 base. He lost. He was being outnumbered. So what he did was, with a couple of people from federal, Anthony Byrne and a few others, Stephen Conroy, he, he they managed to set him up, um, expose him, give him the reason to sack, and then go to the national executive and say we need you to come and administer the state branch, which effectively gave Dan control of Victorian Labor um, because he got rid of Sumrit. Mm. Now, now, Adam, <laughs> Adam's ambition is to – I'm absolutely guaranteed – I'm absolutely convinced myself that Adam sees himself as a Premier of Victoria, future Premier of Victoria under Labor. Um, so – the, uh, if Adam gets back in under DLP, now for Adam to go to the DLP in Labor circles means that he's actually going to another Labor party because the DLP obviously split from uh, the ALP in '55 because of the Communists and Socialists. So in one sense, it's a fit for him to if he's kicked out of the Labor party, he's actually in another Labor party. Mm. So it's not like he's gone and joined the Liberals where it'd be a rat for life. He's simply he can he can make the case that he's that he's a conservative Labor member and 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 do that effectively in the DLP, which means he hasn't burned all his bridges. So there's a possibility. I'd say this. I'd say this. Once there's a Victorian Labor has its state conference, well, let's just say Adam gets back in under the DLP. There'll be an upcoming Victorian state conference for the ALP. If if by Adam being in Parliament, he's able to talk, he's able to talk to people anyway. Um, he's got access to all his old, all his mates and his, all his old uh, information systems. Yeah, uh, see what happens at the state conference. If at the state conference he's able to, if he's able to pull together, he, he was once running. If he's able to keep that back together and take it to the state conference. Then he'll be in a position where uh, he'll be able to he'll be able to um, manage the Labor Party 
and then quite easily then step back in over to Labor and become the Labor member for Northern Metro and and run the Labor Party (laughs) and one day get a lower house seat and become Premier. (laughs) Which is what I think that's his long-term ambition, to be honest. Uh, So because the Labor Party, if if look, if Ian Cook or any of the other independents or even the Liberal get up, if, if you dethrone um, Andrews, this, this is a guy who's micromanaged the party, who's orchestrated coups against uh, uh, opposition people like Adam, who, who has staffers in ministerial offices. You cut him. If, you, if he's gone, you're right. The, the, the Labor Party itself, will, it'll, it'll, just, it'll be a bloodbath. Mm. It'll be a bloodbath. And we've seen Jacinta Allen's useless in front of a camera, um, which points to problems that, you know, as the leader of the party, he hasn't, you know, developed um, any successes um, for that one. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, Molino was a potential candidate to take over, but, you know, he he got rid of him. Uh, I don't think he liked Molino's... um, Popularity rating when he had his um, <coughs> accident. No, um, I don't think he does. I think he was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and, and Molino's gone. He, he yeah. cut his head off too. So, yeah, I, I don't think. Well, Jacinda Allen's there only because she's socialist left. Mm. Right? Uh, it's not because she's particularly talented. Um, I'm, I might be something I've never really paid much attention to it, to be honest. Um, only met her a couple of times, uh, but um, yes, look, she, she, he's just pulling out of that same gene pool, and that gene pool is pretty stagnant, to be honest. Um, and I think uh, there's a lot of bright minds out there in the labour movement. Um, we'll, we'll see whether they they pop up, but you need someone like Adam running it mm. to get those bright minds to pop up. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it's party control. It's the socialist left. And what you know, what happens in time when the socialists lift is they eat themselves. You know, you, you get the arrogance of Andrews, yeah. um, and uh, um, and people are seeing that, and that's why he's a, he's a chance to lose his seat because people despise the guy. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and, yep. sorry, yeah. no, no, go ahead. Oh well, uh, yeah. So, um, I just. Uh, I'm left with I'm left with that idea. The other thing, of course, is the idea that Andrews will probably lose Mulgrave. The other thing is they will lose other seats. Um, you'll get Teals will get up and they'll snatch a couple of Liberal seats. Um, the Liberals will get a few more, but not enough. I, I doubt either side will be able to um, govern in their own right. And uh, and I think at that point. Um, Labor is probably best positioned to do a deal with the Greens and the Teals, especially under the current um, administration, uh, ethos of Labor, um, with regards to green energy and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I don't think the Liberals will be able to form that sort of government. So it's likely we'll have a mo- uh, minority Labor government without Andrews. So I you know, watch this space. I think it's going to be very interesting from that point onwards. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's my thoughts too. Is that sadly it will be uh, you know a Labor government um, for that one. Though I'm 
I, it's hard to predict the council, legislative council. Um, I think that it may swing to a, a, a bit of a hostile one for a left-leaning government, um, though I think that depends on, on how the watermelons go with, you know, their primary vote. Um, you know, if, if they turn around and instead of, um, you know, like using Medic out in West of Victoria, for example, if more of the left-leaning ones just go straight to the Greens instead of, you know, the Greens or Medic and then the Greens and, and all that sort of stuff, then, you know, it looks like he's going to lose his seat there. He's been rather silent, you know, rather quiet on, on social media lately. So I have a feeling that he is going to, or he knows he's going to lose his seat. So he's just trying to, you know, bide his time. But then does it mean that um, uh, Georgie... I can't remember his chief of staff's name. She's running in, I think, Northern Victoria. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Georgie Purcell. So I'm not sure whether she'll, she'd pick up a seat, um, which, you know, if there's one AJP in there, well, they're going to be supporting the Labor Party and give the Labor Party the numbers. Um, I, I can't see Patton picking up another member. Um, I think, it, you know, we might have more watermelons in there, in which case unless the Liberal Party can turn any of the um, Labor voters, then, yeah, I, I think it's going to go down to the wire with the upper house. Look, on the back of that UAP deal that the <coughs> that Clive did with the Liberals, I think they were, they were, they'll probably pick up a couple of seats. They'll certainly hold on to the ones they were likely to lose. So they, they could be they could be twelve seats. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think Labor's going to lose a few. Mm. Um, they'll be probably down around fourteen, just depending on how big the swing is again. The Greens will pick up between two and three. Um, so that, that, that sort of leaves you with uh, eleven crossbenchers. AJP um, being one of them. AJP's a brand. They're two and a half to two point seven percent of the vote, so but they need preference deals to finish that off. I think Patton's gone. I'd like to see Barton gone, but I'm not sure whether that's just wishful thinking. Um, and I think there's going to be a bit of a mess up. You know, Hinch will lose a seat here, but pick one up there. Uh, I don't think Limbrick's all that safe, having had a look at the GVTs. It's a toss-up between him and Hinch in South East Metro. Um, I think there's going to be a different independent in North East Metro. Um, you'll have a couple of DLP people there, so it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting crossbench, um, but I don't think the government's assured of um, the votes that they not the way that they had nineteen going into the after the two thousand eighteen. All they needed to do was pick two off, and one of them was Patton, one of them was Medic, and one of them was Ratman. So they always had sort of three votes there, so. The, Guaranteed most of the legislation to pass. Um, I think the shooters will hold their seat in Eastern. Um, we'll see. So uh, I, I think they'll have to negotiate. Mm. Um, and it's going to be pretty hard to negotiate, especially if you get a couple of the One Nation or UAP gets up in Northern Victoria and if Freedom Party gets up somewhere, I don't know where, um, uh, and One Nation gets up somewhere. DLP gets two. I mean, it starts to make it look 
difficult for the government. If Patton's gone, well, that's great. Barton's gone, well, it's another person that they can't buy off. AJP, I'm just not sure they did the, enough to get that lass up in um, northern Victoria. Um, so it could be. It could be a more conservative sort of crossbench. Uh, that should be good. Well, it'd be great for Victoria. Mm. Great for Victoria if you had to if you had to argue the merits of all your legislation rather than just push through your agenda. Then that would be a great thing for Victoria. Um, but to be honest, most people don't know what the upper house does. They get very little publicity. It's only when there's a sort of a tight vote that it becomes newsworthy. And I think that part of that problem is that the people that are on the crossbench don't don't um, don't engage enough in the public forums. Yeah, really, to tell us what they're doing and what's up. Yeah. Um, so maybe it'll be different this time. And, uh, on the back of social media, social media is very important these days. So um, as the alternative media, so maybe it'll be different. Mm. But there's there's, there's no. There's no, um, there's no guaranteed uh, Labor rubber stamp this term, I think, yeah. is, is the, which, which is a great is, thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we might wrap it up there um, and all that sort of stuff. Any any final thoughts or final words before we say goodbye? Well, well don't vote informally. As angry as you are, make, make your vote count because I, and I think that will make a difference this election. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Vote below the line. Um, you know, no donkey votes or anything like that. Same as the, the for, for the lower house, but yeah, yeah just number yeah, five, five or six boxes below the line, and, and yeah, let, let's make this a, a worthwhile election. That's right. Vote Labor last. You can't lose. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, Cam. All right, John. Thanks for that, and uh, we'll have to catch up uh, once the the dust has settled, maybe uh, in a couple of weeks, and. and I'm going to have a bit of a dissection of it and uh, see if any predictions did come true. Yeah, no worries, man. Happy to do it. All right. Until you there. Too easy, John. Thanks a lot. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.